to the Why With Lemon podcast. This is Emma Cook, your host. I am super pumped that you are listening. This is a podcast by a 20-something for 20-somethings where we dive into the real and the raw, the uncomfortable and the messy. My goal is to be the voice for this generation of ladies who are struggling to find our purpose and passion and to encourage you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Today on the podcast, I have my gal, Allie Knowles. I met Allie at one of our most favorite places on earth, Sky Ranch, out in East Texas. Allie has played such a big role in my walk with the Lord and has really taught me what it looks like to live boldly and intentionally. She has challenged me to push aside my flesh and chase after Jesus in so many ways. We are talking today about what truly marks a follower of Jesus, and I was blown away by our conversation. Fasten your seatbelts, pals, because this is a good one. Miss Allie Knowles. Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to the Water with Lemon podcast. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. This is so fun. I'm so excited to have you. I'm pumped. I am so pumped. I'm honored and flattered, and I'm just excited to talk about Jesus with you. Yes, just like the old times. So why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about yourself and what your life looks like these days? Yeah, so my name is Allie Knowles, like Beyonce, but not nearly as cool (laughs) as Beyonce. Uh, And my life for the last, I would say, four years has looked a little bit different than what it looks like right now. Um, I went to the University of Oklahoma Boomer Sooner. I worked at a really cool camp, although I would claim to not be a camp person. Uh, I worked out at Sky Ranch during college, then ended up working there for the last four years, running the middle school and high school camps and then our fellowship internship program. And actually, I just left vocational ministry four weeks ago. And my husband and I are moving back to the DFW area, parties Mm -hmm. every day. And um, he's going to be becoming a firefighter at the McKinney Fire Department. And I have a new passion and excitement to help people with healthy living and nutrition and um, coaching at Orange Theory. So it's been really interesting. A way that I would kind of describe how our life looks like right now and something that my husband and I keep talking about is it kind of feels like we left the mission field Mm -hmm. because being in vocational ministry, we were just kind of separated and in ways all consumed by that. And so it's been really cool to kind of transition and see what else God has for us in this next season of life. So transition is where I'm at in life right now. Mm-hmm. Really crazy, moving in two weeks, um, but really excited for what's to come. Yeah, that's so exciting. I'm excited for you guys. I know there's a yeah. lot of like a lot of my listeners um, are girls like either in college or like right out of college. And so I know that a lot of people, um, are going through like life transitions. And so is there anything that you feel like God is really like teaching you or like putting on your heart, maybe like scripture as far as like how to hold on to him when in times of like transition? Yeah, that's really good. Actually, something that I've been like really focused on for the last, um, I think throughout the summer, as I knew transition was approaching, um, and then until now, is Matthew 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right here it talks about, so it says uh, in verse 19, 
do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moths or rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Mm. Um, and the reason why that has just been like hitting home with me right now is I'm someone who is type A, mm. who loves a plan and loves consistency. Uh, and honestly, the last four years of my life, it's been really easy to like um, confuse my treasures in moments and to find satisfaction in this world, just in moments with my identity and who I am and what I do. And in this transition, I've really just experienced um, that. I mean, it's just been really sweet of the Lord to graciously remind me that like my hope is only in eternal life. Like my identity is only found in him. Um, And in the midst of a transition right now where I might not know exactly where we're going to live or who our community is going to be or what church we're going to get to attend, um, being reminded that I'm not even called to lay up myself treasures on this earth. Mm -hmm. Like it is supposed to be in heaven. And so I think encouragement for something that I'm actively walking in right now. So I'm not saying I've conquered this by any means. Um, it's just recognizing where our hope truly does lie. And in the midst of transition, not letting our transition dictate um, what we believe about ourselves or our, it's been something that I've like really been trying to dig deep into right now. Yes. I love that. Love it. That's so true. Okay. So I want to talk to you today uh, about the difference in knowing Jesus and knowing who he is, um, just kind of having that head knowledge of him versus following him. And like, what does our life look like when we're following him? So what do you think marks a follower of Jesus? Like what should our lives look like as people who are actively following Jesus? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that that's a really good question. And honestly, I feel like that question, sometimes when I hear it, I think about it in terms of just for myself, I think about it in terms of other people. I'm like, how can I look at someone else and notice Mm. if they are a follower of Christ or what marks someone else as a follower of Christ? But I think honestly, that question is best like answered in evaluation of yourself. Like what allows me to recognize and like marks me as a follower of Christ? Because ultimately I can only truly understand where my heart really is, where my treasure really is, where my hope really is. Um, And it's hard for me to necessarily discern that other people. So I think in looking at other people and at ourselves, I think a natural and easy answer would be fruits of the spirit. Like we're called to have fruits of the spirit and you should actively see those fruits in a believer's life. But that's honestly hard to discern because um, something that I've been really convicted by is uh, behavior modification versus heart change. Mm. Um, analogy my husband uses all the time is about the giving tree. Um, and specifically, he talks about that and kind of twists it and talks about like, man, we're called to have fruit. And sometimes the easiest thing for us to do so we can be on display and be identified as a follower of Christ is take this dead, dried up tree um, that we haven't watered and the trees ourselves. We haven't watered. We haven't taken care of it. Um, and as a believer, that, that means like we haven't been in the word. We haven't been loving the Lord, our God. Um, and But we know we're called to have fruit. So when we go to church or when we hang out with our Christian friends or whenever we're put in a situation where we're supposed to bear fruit or where we're supposed to not bear fruit, but for people to see the fruits of the spirit, we try and tape on fruit on a dead tree. So we like literally take duct tape and put an orange on a dead branch. But obviously to the outside world, that is not true fruit. Like we have to actually take care of ourselves. And so in that, I think something that marks someone um, as a true follower is going to be their love for God. 
first and foremost, like a true love for God. Mm-hmm. Um, not just an understanding that God is God or not just an understanding um, of like the gospel as a head knowledge, but a true love and understanding of our savior and what he has done for us. And in turn, a love for God. Um, and I think someone who is a follower, something that marks them is they have a true love for God. And Jesus is not just their savior, but their Lord. And they take true joy in that. Hmm. Um, and it's obvious through their speech that is obvious through their interactions. Uh, it is obvious because it's sincere in their heart. And then also I think, um, something that marks a true follower, if I was examining myself outside of a true love for God, outside of an understanding and a knowledge of Jesus as my savior and Lord, and that being something I take true joy in, it would be that Jesus is my treasure above everything else. Hmm. And that there's not another thing on this earth that I would put hope in or, um, allow satisfaction to kind of dwell in for moments um, other than Jesus in my life being hidden in him. And I think from that, you would see fruits of the spirit because of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Those are kind of some of my thoughts. I don't yeah. know if that's like a specific thing. Right. No, but I love it. The fact that like, if he is your hope and if he is all that you take satisfaction in, then that carries over into every part of your life. And that it's not a behavior modification thing where you're like, okay, I need to fix the fact that um, I'm partying on the weekends. I need to stop doing that. And then I'll start being a follower of Jesus. It's like, no, you start by like surrendering your life. And then that changes everything about you. It's not starting to change different things. So um Maybe let's talk about like behavior modification a little bit again and like how how do we practically like stop ourselves from just wanting to change everything about our life and and just putting Jesus as our hope. Like do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that that's like again, that's like one of the big common themes in my life right now, especially in conversation with my husband. He said it he says it all the time. Me and Allie, it is not behavior modification. It is heart change because we cannot earn our salvation. Mm-hmm. And so if we're constantly changing our behavior, uh, that is not going to get us anywhere. God cares about our true faith and our true sincere for God and to give him glory. I think um, the baseline of all of this, if you're trying to get to a place of what is sincere heart change versus behavior modification is the gospel in and of itself. Um, I think it's the understanding, like getting yourself, like there are moments where I want to, like, I know what the right thing is to do. And so I just want to do the right thing out of my own control mm-hmm. so that I can be satisfied. But ultimately that satisfaction is going to be fleeting because I am the one controlling it versus surrendering something mm-hmm. when I know I need to church or I know I need to be in the word. It's me surrendering first to Christ, getting my heart in a posture before him. And then out of an obedience to my surrender to Christ, I choose to go get in the word. I choose to go to church, but I think it all comes back down to the gospel. Mm -hmm. If I'm not constantly reminding myself of the gospel, um, then it's going to be really hard for my heart to actually be in the right place because I'm forgetting why on earth I'm even the person I am because of Christ. And um, there's so many times in life where especially over the last four years where I like have to stop and maybe I'm in a pity pit and I'm beating myself up about something, or maybe I'm um, convicted and I know I need to be acting different, but I have to first stop and go back and be like, wait, Allie, you are a broken sinner. And your biggest problem on this earth is your sin Mm -hmm. because you are separated from God as a broken sinner and need a savior. And Jesus died on the cross, perfect and blameless, and then resurrected, defeated death, 
uh, and went to be with the Father, and He saved us from our sin. And my faith and belief in Him, my confession and repentance of my sin, saves me and gets gets me into a place where I get to have an eternal relationship. Um, I get to have a relationship with God, and eternal life with Him. And I think reminding myself of that then helps me to understand my brokenness, my inadequacy, and how I need Jesus in order to go and do all of those behavior modifications that I desire to have in my life. Mm. It becomes a sincere change. It doesn't become just an action anymore. It becomes a response Mm. um, to something that I believe and have hope in. But that's, I think, and also it's just reminding yourself of that. Like, I just have to remind myself when I'm choosing to do something, am I doing it because I want to change my behavior and why do I want to change my behavior? Is it because I want to be viewed a certain way? Is it because I want to be right? Is it because I feel like I have to? Um, and if those are my answers, then I know that it is wrong. It's not even worth doing. But if I look at it and I'm like, why do I want to change this action in my life? Why do I want to change this habit? Why do I want to change this discipline? If it comes back to because I love Jesus and he is mm. my savior and Lord. And if he's Lord of my life, then I should be doing these things out of a response to my man, just my overwhelming joy and uh, humility of what he's done for me, then I think mm. that itself is freaking worth it. Yeah. And then we change. We'll do it. We'll do it because we love it. That's like something I know. It's like, I, there's a lot of things in my life I love to do, but it's because I love it. Like if I had loved Jesus, it might not always be easy. It might not always be something I like want to go do, but because I love Jesus, it's worth it. And therefore I find a love for that thing in and of itself too, which is just cool. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. And, you know, I was thinking, this is something I've really been learning recently about that we do not have the power to change our sin. Like we do not, we try to, like you were saying, control these different areas and um try to rid ourselves of certain things but we do not have that power like it's only through the spirit that we are able to do that and so realizing you know why am i wanting to change this certain behavior why am i wanting to um do this certain thing well like what's the heart behind it what's the motive and always going back to that so i love that what do you think is like the difference in knowing truth and then walking in it Yeah, I think um, something that's in uh, Jen's book, Women of the Word, one of like my favorite lines is, uh, your heart can't love what your mind doesn't know. Mm. And that like hit me because I can use, uh, man, just excuses all day, every day being like, I'm dyslexic. So reading the word of God is hard. And that's true. But it's not an excuse. Mm. Like, I would rather feel the spirit than like know what God's word says. Um, And so I think like the difference between knowing and walking in truth, one, you have to know it. That's you have to like, if you like, just like what Jen said, like if you don't know know it, your heart can't love it. And so first being in the word is really important and um, knowing the word is important. But I would also tell you, like, there are a lot of things in my life that I know are true and I don't choose to do it. Mm -hmm. Like I know that when I indulge and eating a ton of ice cream, it's not good for me, but I still choose to do that sometimes. Mm. Like there's plenty of things. And there are a lot of people in the world that know what the gospel is. Like they could tell you it, but they don't believe it. Mm. So I think um, even Solomon had all of the wisdom, but acted like a fool in moments. So I think the first thing I remember is James two seventeen talks about um, faith without works is dead. And not in the sense of like, 
you must have works in order to be saved. But if you have faith, then you naturally will then have works Mm -hmm. because of your faith. It's going to move you. And so I think one difference between knowing the word and then like walking and being of the word is the fact that if you know the word and you again have that sincere heart change, that you sincerely and truly have Jesus as your savior and your Lord, that you truly love God, you are going, that is going to move you and you are going to walk. I think a lot of people, especially just uh, around like cultural Christians, perhaps, or people who are very religious, but are missing out on that relationship of mm. man, Jesus and walking in relationship with him. They know it, but they can't walk in it because they don't really truly have that desire to glorify and know Christ. And so I think the biggest difference is that heart desire and that relationship with Christ between knowing and walking in it. And I think if someone sits there and is like, man, it's so hard for me to get to church. It's so hard for me to be in the word. I wouldn't tell you that everyone who knows and loves Jesus, it's always easy to do those things, mm-hmm. but they have a sincere love and therefore it motivates them. It pushes them into momentum to go and do those things. But there are a lot of people who know the truth, mm-hmm. but not as many people who look in the truth. But again, it comes down to that love for God, that heart change, that true desire and relationship we have with Jesus. Mm-hmm. What are some, yeah, what are some questions that people could ask themselves um, to like really narrow down? Like, am I walking in truth or is it something I just have in my head? Yeah, Um, I think they can first ask themselves and maybe journal this of like, what does my life look like when it comes to my relationship with Christ? Like, what am I doing when no one's watching? I think that's a big question for myself. Like, what does my time in the word look like? Like, what does truly does my prayer life look like? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what do I think when I think about my relationship with God or what God thinks of me? I think those are really great starting points to kind of figure out, engage yourself. Because I think a lot of times people, when it comes to these topics, or at least for myself, maybe for not for other people, I don't know. Uh, it's easy for me to gauge these things based off of what I think other people think of me rather than what God thinks of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think first, really, truly evaluating your personal relationship with God. Like there are things in the Bible talks about like that are done in secret between that person, Jesus or whoever in the Lord. And there's a reason why it was done in secret because it's a personal relationship. I think another good question, maybe just in evaluating these things is where, like, what is your true treasure? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you treasure most? And is it truly God or is it something else? Is it um, truly uh, eternal life getting to be spent that with the Father? or is it getting that grade on that test or getting that job? I think something that's really challenged me, especially as my husband has gone through this firefighting process is it's been really easy for us to think to ourselves in moments like, man, God is so good because Ethan got that firefighting job or God is so good because he healed my friend of cancer. And that's true. God is good. And those things can bring him glory. But ultimately, God is good, not because of our worldly circumstances and his goodness cannot be defined by this world. And so I think it's also recognizing what is your true treasure? Like, where is your true hope? And those are only things that you and the Lord and you evaluating your heart sincerely, honestly, not with anyone else is going to give you those answers. And if those things come back to the Lord, then great. I think that's going to push you into that momentum of walking by faith and getting to see yourself walking in and of the word. But if those things aren't Jesus, then repent and turn to Jesus and then go and do those things. I love it. I love that. I think that's perfect. And that's kind of what I was thinking as well of like, 
what what in my life do I love more than Jesus? What what is more worth it to me to to pursue than to pursue Jesus? Um, yeah. So those are good. And so with that, um, in the Bible, Jesus talks about how if you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Right. And so what do you think that term of being like lukewarm really means? Um, Like practically, what is what does that mean for us to be lukewarm? I love this question. And I'm like, I am just solely a follower of Jesus. I don't I'm not a scholar. There are a lot of more educated people. But as someone who loves Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of, I think um one, it's, I think it's super interesting because we use this word so much, at least within the environments that I have been in. We've talked about being lukewarm. I have talked about being lukewarm so often, but it's only mentioned one time in the Bible and it's in Revelation mm-hmm. 3, 15 through 16, what you're just talking about, which it specifically says, let me see here. Um, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you, would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And I thought that's just one really extreme, really direct and really like to the point. Like it is obvious regardless of what we know that um, if you're lukewarm, it does not end up well for you. And so um, I was kind of looking at some stuff just like doing some research specifically on these two verses and some things that John Piper said that really stuck out to me that I was like, that it really does help me understand it is um, it is better to not like when it talks about being, it's better to be cold or hot than lukewarm. Um, John Piper made the comment that it's better to not know God himself than to know him with quotation marks, but to get caught up in this churchiness. Hmm. So basically, uh, it is better to not even understand or know the gospel than for you in your head to know it and then to fool yourself because you are controlling your own life still, but you're putting on the label as if God has saved you or you're putting on the label as if you are truly following him when in reality, you are faking it for the world to see. But I think the coolest part is, is God is not human. Like God is perfect. And I think it freaks me out and it gives me a fear of the Lord to know that he can truly see my heart. That I could fool all of these people into thinking that I'm one thing, but God truly knows and there will be a judgment day. And it is really important for us to recognize that like, it is very specific that those people will be spit out of his mouth. Like he will not know them in the same way. And so I think to be lukewarm, it means to not have a true zeal for the gospel or for Jesus or what he has done. Mm -hmm. Um, I think to be lukewarm is to be self-satisfied, to not be desperate, to not recognize your desperate need for a savior. Mm-hmm. I think to be lukewarm in some ways is by putting on that stamp or that badge of honor of like, I'm a Christian and I shake my head in church and I hear all of those things, but they really do go out the other ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I live my life still with my control, but I'm telling other people and even telling myself that God really is the the king of my life when in reality, I am my own king. Um, I think to be lukewarm is to not do all things for the glory of God, um, but to do them for the glory of yourself. But I think sometimes too, in a society, especially I've noticed this in the Bible belt, like it, it can be hard to discern if you're being lukewarm or not, because it can be comfortable to be lukewarm. I think, I don't know. I think it is. 
I think when you're in an environment where everyone, it is like culturally acceptable to go to church on Sunday. It is culturally acceptable to say God out loud. It's culturally acceptable and even trendy in moments to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be easy to get caught up and to say, oh yeah, I've got it. This must be it. But I would tell you that if you have not been radically changed by the gospel, then there's a really good chance that you might be living a lukewarm life because the gospel radically changes you. Um, and I think lukewarm people have not been radically changed because they don't recognize their desperate need for a savior. Mm. They just recognize their desperate need to be accepted. Praise hands. That's my wow. <laughs> just moment of silence for that one. <laughs> so let's jump into that then. Like how does the gospel completely transform us uh, as fall into followers of Jesus? Oh man. Well, I think the first thing, that's a loaded question. I think you could talk for like 500 years just about mm-hmm. this one alone. And I, yeah. it's cool because that question, I mean, honestly, is just like, it just makes me smile um, because I'm just so grateful that the gospel, first of all, does transform mm-hmm. us as believers. Like how cool is it that it's not just a truth, like two plus two equals four. It's not just a fact. It is it is a, a reality that transform and like also changes like our eternity. Mm-hmm. But I think first you have to understand the gospel, which is similar to what I said earlier. Like uh, the gospel is us being broken, mm-hmm. sinful humans in need of a savior in order to have eternal life with God, in order to even be with God, because God is perfect. And in turn, God sent his only son, down to earth, perfect and blameless, um, to live on this earth, to walk and talk on this earth. Like, like it's just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, fully man and God, he um, was taken to the cross for our sins. He died the most brutal death for us. And then he didn't just die. He rose again three days later. And that's the most important part is the resurrection. He conquered death. Mm-hmm. Um, and in conquering death, uh, we now, through faith in Christ, repenting and confessing our sins, get to have eternal life with God and get to be back in a right relationship with the Father. And I think that, first and foremost, is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the gospel transforms us as believers. We have to recognize first what we were before the transformation. Like, what is it transforming us from? I think before um, before the gospel, before God, um, we were dead, literally. like. We uh, lived in service to ourself. Um, I think about all of the insecure things that I naturally feel just as a female living in this world. Like we are broken. We are insecure. We are not worthy before the gospel. Um, It really is survival of the fittest out there without the gospel. Um, There is darkness and there is no light without the gospel. Uh, and that we actually have no way to be fully satisfied without the gospel. Um, I think because of the gospel, the coolest part is the gospel literally turns us into new creations. It talks about in the Bible, like to live as Christ and to die is gain. Like because of the gospel, we get to live as Christ and to die is gain. Like death does not hold us down. Like there, there is no sting in death, which is cool. Uh, I think it's really cool to also think about the fact that just like in practicing this question that God had this planned out. Like 
God knew that we would like fail and he chose to still send his son to save us. This was part of God's creation. Like if we as humans don't understand our maker, then how are we ever going to understand how we were designed to even live? Um, uh, I just freaking love like, so the gospel transforms us as followers because I think the gospel gives us real joy. The gospel gives us actual purpose to go and glorify God instead of ourselves. Like everything is for God's glory and in turn our good. The gospel is the only thing that gives us fullness of life. Um, the gospel literally connects us with God. The gospel changes the desires we have um, for our life and for others. Um, and now we just get to live for the glory of something other than ourselves. Like the gospel transforms our identity. The gospel transforms um, our purpose. I mean, I'm just saying, I'm just shocked that uh, I get to be a daughter of the most mm-hmm. high King. And it's because of anything I ever did or anything I will ever do. It is because of what Jesus has done for me. I remember when I first heard the gospel, like understood the gospel. Um, I was in eighth grade and uh I was at camp and I just remember my counselor looking at me because I was so so confused by this. Like I was so confused by this idea that someone would come and die on the cross for me so that I could live in fullness of life so that I could be fully satisfied in him. Like I did nothing to deserve this and everything else in our world, we have to earn it Mm -hmm. in order to have it. Whether that's working for money, whether that's grades on a test, whether that's being recognized amongst our peers, like we have to earn those things. And this was something that earn yet it was the greatest thing it solved the biggest problem I have in my life which is I'm a broken sinner apart from God without a savior and um I remember her just telling me she was like Allie history has been made like what you believe does not dictate history like history Jesus came and died already because he loves you in a way that this world can't even comprehend fully Mm -hmm. and um I just that hit me it was like one my feelings don't take dictate what I believe. The word of God now dictates what I believe. And what I believe does not dictate history. If I don't believe in the gospel, like the gospel is true and it is a free gift sitting right in front of me. And God designed for me to open it so that I could live in the fullness of life. And now it is my choice to receive or accept it. And I think it's just so cool how it transforms, but also when we accept Jesus into our heart, when we repent from our sins, when we recognize that we are broken without a perfect savior, God does not just leave us. Like he didn't just take Jesus back to heaven and was like, good luck out there. See you on the other side. <laughs> like he was the Holy Spirit. Like people in the Old Testament, if they stood before us as believers, like in our presence, they would tremble because of the power we have inside of us through the spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also a key component of how the gospel transforms us is we now have the spirit to help us discern and in peace with Christ, which I just think is so cool. Like I'm just humbled by it. The coolest thing about me is that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and Jesus mm-hmm. saved me, like has nothing to do with me, which is awesome. Yes. And so that's why we can have that hope. And that's why, you know, whenever we're thinking about, oh man, like, am I truly following after Christ? It's not a shaming thing. It is a, it is a turn from, um, from trying to fix and, and be moral or be good and to turn your gaze towards what God has already done for you and that there's nothing you can actually do to earn that. And so recognizing, oh, wait, like God has already done all of that for me. And so I just need to rest in that and then 
and then ask the Lord how that can transform me. Um, such great news. It is such good news. Um, yeah. And it is something that I think can be easy to just, oh, yeah, I know, like, Jesus died for me and then he rose. But, like, what does that mean for you? It means everything for you. And so just, like, praying through what does what does that look like? Like, how can I be fully transformed by that? So it's good. I love it. Okay, so I know you are still, like, in your 20s, so I'm going to change this question. Because <laughs> I usually ask older and wiser women this question, but what's one thing that you just really want 20-somethings to understand, either around this topic or just in general? What's one thing that you feel like you've really learned in your 20s? Yeah, I think... and. In- by all means, listen to the older and wiser women who say these things because they have experienced more life than me. Um, I think my two things, something you just made me think of and something I was thinking about praying about earlier is one, like, I just wish if I could go back to 20-year-old Allie, not 26-year-old Allie, um, I wish I could just hammer it into my head. It is not about me. Like, when I said yes to Jesus, I said goodbye to myself, and that is victorious. And the world wants me to think that it's about me and I want to make it about me and all of the things, but it's not, it is not about me. In first Corinthians 15, 58, it says, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your, that work is not vain. It does not say always abounding in the work of Allie Knowles, knowing that that work is not vain. No, the work of Allie Knowles is vain. It is not about me in true redemption, true freedom, true uh, satisfaction is found in me making it all about my father's business and not my own. Mm -hmm. I wish that was something that I really understood and found freedom in that I would not get pissed off at. Um, And I wish that I would let the words of the word of God actually ring true in my head and in my heart, not just the things the world said. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard when you're in college, when you're getting a job. When you're living on this earth, that is hard when our eyes are not fixed on Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one thing is it's not about you. It is about Jesus. Like that's the whole point of the gospel. That's the whole point of our life. And I wish it didn't take me up until now even just to grasp that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I lose sight of that. And then the last thing I think has more of a charge and kind of what I was talking about earlier with Matthew 6 is it it's talking about hope and it's talking about not storing up treasures on earth. And I think my big question would be like, Hey, where is your treasure truly found? And who are you without your abilities? Mm-hmm. Like if you took away all of your abilities, if you took away all of the things that sometimes you maybe find satisfaction or hope in, or all of the platforms that you might have on this earth, like who are you without all of those things? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't come back to the gospel, and if it doesn't come back to who you are in Christ and why you are living for Christ, then I would tell you, man, stop, like hang up the phone and go figure out who you are without your abilities, where your true treasure is. Um, and if those answers are not Jesus, not out of a corny, weird, funny way, but like if at the end of the day it doesn't come back to the cross or back to the gospel, then you're missing it. And I'm promising you what is out there is fleeting and is not going to satisfy. Um and true fullness of life and true satisfaction only comes from the gospel and what he has already done for us and our response to that. That's what I said. <laughs> I said that's what I said. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so good. I just want to pause. Just pause. Soak it in. 
Uh, okay. Are there any resources you could put in our hands around this topic? Yeah, I think the first resource I would give is uh, the local church. Um, These are big resources. I'll work my way down into smaller resources. Mm -hmm. I think first and foremost, uh, a church and not just being a consumer of the church, but being a contributor to the church body, actively serving as a part of the church, not because it's something else to put on your to-do list, not for the sake of behavior modification, um, but if you are not actively participating in the body of Christ, then you are missing out on what God has designed us to do. And when we are doing what we are designed to do, then we are going to find true satisfaction in him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think being plugged into the local church is first and foremost huge. Um, And then discipleship within the church, like finding older women to actively disciple you are two things that I don't physically have for you, but I think you should go find. Um, And then some of the biggest things that I'm just obsessed with right now um, that are resources outside of the word of God. So I would say the word of God is 100% the next resource. And then um, appropriate to your last podcast, I'm obsessed with uh, women in and of the word, the book that Jen wrote, um, as well as all of her Bible study resources. Like all of those have actively taught me how to read the word and actively walk through the word and it's held me accountable to it. So I think that's a huge resource. And then another author that I have been blown away by is Heather Holloman. She writes a book called Seated with Christ that I just read last, a couple months ago. And Seated with Christ is talking about uh, finding freedom in a culture of comparison. Mm. And that book has transformed the way I've looked at myself in relation to the world because of the fact that I'm seated with Christ. Um, She also, I just started last week a Bible study called Included with Christ by Heather Holloman. And that Mm. has also been rocking the world. So I would say either of those authors, the books and Bible studies they both have written, if you are struggling to be in the word, then go and pick up one of their Bible studies because those Bible studies teach you the word of God. They are not just complementary to the word of God. They actually force you to get in the word and then helps you digest digest it, dissect it, all of those things. <laughs> those are my resources to you. Yes, I love right. those. Yeah, I'm excited to look yeah. up Heather because I haven't heard of Heather before. So I'm excited yeah, for that. An English professor, worked for Crew, so Campus Crusades. Yeah. I got the presentation from my bestie, Reagan. So uh, it's rocked my world. I recommend it. Thanks, Riggs. Okay, lastly, what is refreshing you these days, Allie Knowles? Hmm. What is refreshing you these days? Um... Outside of like all of the things we just talked about and remembering <laughs> the gospel in of the word, because truly that refreshes me. Um, I'm all about that pumpkin life because mm-hmm. of the fall. Mm-hmm. So one silly thing that refreshes me is I think I stand an abnormal amount of time outside of every grocery store, just looking at the pumpkins, pretending in my head <laughs> that I'm going to buy them. Um, and you don't. I'm- And then I don't because I'm moving and it doesn't make sense for me to buy a pumpkin right now. Uh, (laughs) Also, things that I'm really loving right now is running with my dog outside. She's a sprinter, so it pushes me, but it's also super fun. And then all things plants. Yes. Just walking through plant stores, taking care of plants. Mm -hmm. I really am loving that's refreshing me just in life in and of itself right now so it's so really exciting to grow things you know it's so it exciting. is and then they die but that's okay and then I you go get, get more <laughs> that's how right <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you well thank you Allie. 
you're the best. And I loved this conversation with you. And I really think that it will resonate with people. And so I'm just so thankful uh, for you and for the gospel. Yeah, gospel more for sure. Well, I'm, but I love this podcast and I can't wait to continue to listen to it and all of the fun people that you continue to bring on here. So thanks for letting me speak. Of course. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Allie today. Man, she really brought it. And I left our conversation feeling so overwhelmed by the goodness of the gospel, but also challenged to examine my life and the things that I place my worth in. If you liked today's episode, will you please go leave a rating and review on iTunes or share about this episode with a friend? One practical way you can do that is to go to our Instagram and share our post. You can find us at the Water With Lemon Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and stay fresh, my people.